It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, I'm joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to dive into the NBA draft smoke screens, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe recapping the NBA combine and continuing to discuss the Thunder strategy with picks 2, 12, 30, and pick 34. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, media member and thundersintentions.com uh, editor-in-chief, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're joined by Richard Stamen at Draft on Twitter, host of Locked On NBA Big Board to dive into this NBA draft. Thank you for making us your first listen over here at Locked on Thunder. Make your second listen, NBA draft. Big board. Richard, how are you doing today as we continue to prep for the draft a month away? Yeah, it's uh, it's getting more and more stressful. I think we're seeing more and more smoke screens every year, it seems to happen. I think we actually almost had a break from it the last two years because last year everybody knew Cade was going number one. There's really no debate about that. We had kind of stuff with Mobley Green, but outside of that, Eh, where does it much smoke screens? And then 2020, there was no smoke to be made because, you know, you couldn't go outside to, to light a fire or anything. So uh, it's a lot different this year. It's definitely d- nice to be back, but also kind of sucks to be back with that because there's a lot of unnecessary drama. But I'm excited regardless. It will be exciting to see how this all unfolds. Some of the unnecessary drama is hitting the thunder. I want to talk about the biggest portion of it, and then we can get down to some of the little smoke screens that we've seen. The biggest one is from Henry Abbott 
who mentioned that the Thunder could trade down to four from two uh, in this draft. And then that was kind of heightened also by Yahoo putting out a report that the Thunder do like Jaden Ivey um, in this draft class. So what's the value of the second overall pick in this draft? And uh, what would a trade even look like to move down from two? Do you think that, that kind of has any sort of substance? Yeah, I mean, I, I still want a top three pick in this draft. I, I really do think that the way teams look at it is uh, that it's a three-man race. I don't think Jaden Ivey's truly in that number one mix uh, like he was once perceived to be. So I think it's you want a top three pick. Like, number two is fine. I don't know if really trading from two or to three is going to happen. I think the most likely candidate really would be someone you look at, uh, excuse me, Detroit, who, I mean, I've been on Locked On Pistons and been very open about it. I know for a fact I, like this is sourced information that they wanted Chet Holmgren. If Chet Holmgren is there too, and Oklahoma City has come out and said, you know, without saying it, they're probably going to take next year for Wembenyama. They'd probably rather take the chance at Wembenyama than Chet Holmgren, who's got risk factors. Wembenyama really just doesn't. And I could see them trying to get a, a huge monster package for number five to two, which they can in turn use next year with whatever they get and moving back up if they miss out on Wimbanyama on draft night. So are the Pistons the team that you've heard the most, uh, that, that are at least the most public about loving Chet Holmgren? Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams loved him, but I know for a fact that they thought he was a dream fit for Kate Cunningham. So just like putting two and two together, I, I, I really do think they're bummed about landing at number five. It's a really rough spot. Yeah. And then, I mean, maybe you know, maybe they can do something to get pick seven. The, the Pistons can, uh, you know, by trading, you know, Jeremy Grant or something, you know, trading for Jeremy Grant to Portland to get seven. And I don't think that Jeremy Grant's worth the seventh pick straight up. So, you know, what sweeters would they have to throw in there to get the seventh pick along with Jeremy Grant? And then, you know, how many sweeters they have left to then trade seven, five to the Thunder for two would be a whole mess. But, uh, you know, if they're really desperate to, uh, to get Chet Holmgren, maybe they can find something and, and, and work something out. I remember another team that fell to five in the lottery that was desperate to get their guy, and then they went and got him on draft night, and that is the Dallas Mavericks, who uh, we all thought were going to get Mo Bamba uh, entering the night, and then all of a sudden, boom, they went and got Luka Doncic from the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, it can happen, uh, but you, you don't really think that there's a there's a ton of smoke right now around trading down to four with the Kings and just kind of flip-flopping one pick. Yeah, I, I just don't know really what Oklahoma City gets out of that. I, I, I just I don't understand why they would do it unless they're one of the teams that's solely in on Shade and Sharp and they think, hey, get an asset while taking the risk. But to me, it doesn't really make sense. So that fit about Cade Cunningham and Chet Holmgren is interesting. How, how do you think that uh, you would view the differences there between fitting Chet Holmgren with Cade Cunningham versus fitting Chet uh, Home, Holmgren with SGA and Josh Giddey? Yeah, it's a lot different. Cade uh, being the main ball handler, he needs a center on both ends, really. So I think that's why it's such a, an important fit is just because it, it's such a dire need. They really, the Pistons have one lob threat and it's Marvin Bagley. And let's just be real. You don't want your best lob threat to be Marvin Bagley. Uh, with all due respect, he just hasn't lived up to his draft standards and he's a 20 minutes a game guy. If you've got a lob threat that can play 30 minutes, uh, you look at the impact that can have for him. But Going to Oklahoma City, kind of transitioning the value there. Josh Giddy is an elite passer already, and SGA is a very, very crafty playmaker, especially when he gets driving because he's so unguardable on tribes. So when you have that option to dump off or lob to aerial threats, um, that just makes both of them that much more dangerous. 
you know, and another thing about Chet Holmgren, who you know, there's draft express buzz from ESPN that uh, Chet Holmgren loves the potential marriage with OKC, and that the Thunder um, like Chet Holmgren to take Chet Holmgren too. Uh, if that is the pick, what are the ways you can use Chet Holmgren OKC whenever you do have uh, two ball handlers already in Josh Giddey and SGA? You have Josh Giddy who needs to you know set others up, doesn't necessarily have that scoring first impact that SGA does, and then you have SGA who is an ISO score that can get to the rim at a high clip and, and kind of does his damage at the cup. So how do you fit Josh, uh, you know, how you fit Chet Holmgren into that combination with Josh Giddy and SGA? And can you even run some offense through him, you know, through the high post or anything to kind of get those two guys going without necessarily disrupting them at the rim? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever a bad thing when you can have a front court player handle the ball and run some offense real quick. And I think that's pretty much the first and foremost thing is you don't need your, I mean, I'm a Mavs, you know, I, I watched the Mavs and like, they only have guards. They're the only people that can create on the team. Like literally nobody else on that team can create unless it's like the guy is flying by at a, at a full speed. And then they have, they can open the offense. You need front court players. If you're trying to get towards that title competing level, you need front court players that can also create. And when you have a center that can do that, that's it. It's just a walking mismatch because then it creates so many other opportunities. Say like disregard the stats element. Say there's no assists, no points out of it. Chet Holmgren, ISOing, getting his man out of position and being able to recognize, hey, SGA's open, Giddy's open, one of them, they can then make an easy play at the highest level. So I think it just opens up everybody's game by having a front court creator like Chet Holmgren. And, you know, his creation isn't elite or anything, but it is an ability. That is going to be very fascinating to see how it all works out. I, I think that we see the we see the Josh Giddy Instagram posts on Chet Holmgren's post, you know, the eyeballs and everything. Their emoji, he's commented on Chet Holmgren's post. It kind of feels a little bit like last year whenever you had Kevin Porter Jr. and the and the Rockets commenting on everything that Jalen Green was doing while while the Rockets were trying to keep it coy on who they were going to take. It was uh, a non-mystery if you follow the social media tea leaves. Of course, we'll see if that's actually true with the Thunder in this year's draft. But you said before we recorded that you think that the Magic are going to take Chet. And so – if the Magic take Chet, does that make moving down a more realistic option? Because to me, uh, I think that you should, the Thunder should still stay at two because I think that Jabari Smith Jr. is a perfect fit for OKC and a perfect fit for uh, Josh Gay and SGA. If you're just talking about who can complement those guys um, in this draft, I think that there's no better fit than Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, to complement both those guys in this draft class. But would there be an option to trade down, especially if, like you're saying, that you know you want to be in the mix for Victor and Mignogna next year? I think that Jabari Smith adds a lot of wins to his rookie. You know, as a rookie, he adds a lot of impact plays that can lead to wins and can knock you out of that contention. Yeah, I mean, to an extent. But also, the other way I would look at it is Jabari Smith fits with quite literally any other player in the league. Like, there's no, there's no overlap because there's one player. I mean, in my mind, there's. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's one player in the league that's not named Kevin Durant that plays defense at a really high level and shoots the ball at an incredibly high level at six ten or taller. So he fits with everybody. The only other player is Maxi Kleba. And like Maxi is quite literally, he only shoots and plays defense. Jabari has potential to do other things and he's younger. He's more athletic, uh, just able to use his body a little bit better, more consistent, I think on both ends. And to me, when you have someone like that, you are, you are drafting your elite role player. This draft does not have superstar power. And when you're in a draft like that, you probably want to try and find that elite role player, the, 
I don't want to say like, I, I, I probably said it so I can say you've twisted my words in the past enough. Anyways, you'll do it at once. You've done it once. You'll do it again. If you can find like a clay Thompson type, like, why would you not? Like the way I look at it is, is there a single team, even the sharpest shooting team that clay Thompson does not start on? And the answer is no, even though like, you know, he's kind of washed right now relative to what he was, he's still an elite fit on almost every single team. So when you have that archetype, you can still tank. Yes, he does take away wins, but also he fits with whoever you draft going forward. So Jabari Smith Jr. is Clay Thompson. That is confirmed. And the last time we did this, as you referenced, uh, you you made a, a offhanded comment about Evan Mobley being Kevin Durant. And then all of a sudden, that summer league came, and everyone was on board with Kevin Durant being Evan Mobley and Evan Mobley being Kevin Durant. And we didn't get any credit for it because you, you always backed down if I brought it back up. So this time, we're getting the credit. He officially called uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Kelly Thompson. That is on the record, just like it is on the record. We're the first ones to ever compare Evan Mobley to Kevin Durant, as we did over a year ago on this same podcast. You can go back and find that podcast as well. Uh, but Richard, thank you for uh, giving us another another uh, headline there in a player comp. Player comps are all the rage. You know, it's funny because for those who don't know, you should go back and listen because my my side makes a lot of sense. I said, Evan Mobley is not a true big man. He's a big man in the way that he is a big man, but he does not play like a big man. He's a big man who plays forward. And that's what I said. I was like, you know, Kevin Durant's a big man. He's like seven foot, but you would not call him a big. And that's what I said about Mobley. I was, I was wrong though, because he actually is more of a big than I gave him credit for. But ultimately like the perimeter skills. But with, with Jabari, the reason I say Clay, I mean, when you have six foot 10 guy who, if you tone down that shooting just a little bit, cause like Clay's a historic shooter, you still have an incredible player. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Richard, we got our new package of Built Bar recently, and it was the birthday cake flavor, the Puff Bars, though, and they taste like birthday cake icing. Have you gotten a chance to try out that new flavor? Dude, it was the first. I got it at my front door, and I was very confused, and I saw the Built logo because I mean, it was just completely unexpected. Stuff is good. It's my pre-workout meal. <laughs> Dude, it's perfect for pre-workout, post-workout, as a meal replacement or a snack. Amazing breakfast option as well to keep you held over all the way through dinner time. It's that feeling. It's that good for you and good in general. Folks, Built Bars are awesome because that Built Bar that, that we think tastes like birthday cake ice, icing and it just tastes so wonderful. It only has uh, 140 calories and 15 grams of protein and four grams of sugar. It is exactly what you're going to want. It is perfect. Again, pre-workout, post-workout, meal replacement. They have so many other flavors. It's creeping up there for me, Richard, of my number one flavor, but 
I still cannot turn my back on cookies and cream. Have you have you changed it yet? No, the the cookies and cream are like the uh, Evan Mobley of uh, of built bars. Am I right? <laughs> I, I I love cookies and cream, but I also love the new birthday cake puffs. So check it out today, built.com, promo code lock 15, 15% off your next order. Built.com, promo code lock 15, 15% off of your next order. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast, and you can uh, hear about that from our guest, Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Richard, what do we have on tap the next couple of weeks on NBA Draft Big Board? Man, we have a ton coming up. We have just a ton of general content about what we like and don't like in the upcoming draft in terms of fit. We're doing a lot of team focus, player focus, uh, and just also providing some player evaluation in the middle of it. So we've got a ton coming up. You don't want to miss it. It's It's been a lot of fun. Honestly, been the most fun podcast I've been recording since I've been doing this. And so you mentioned before the break that the, uh, you know, the, the, there's no star power in this draft and that that's kind of cooled off. And I, I go back to a couple of weeks ago, whenever the big feeling around the draft community was, you know, the player with the most star power was Paul and Carroll, but could he ever reach that star potential? Do you still, do you still think that that's true or are you just off on none of these guys are going to be true stars? It's just who's going to be the best option of these three who's gonna be like that number two guy or three guy yeah i think you're looking at a bunch of fringe number one guys on a team uh not like a true one i think the entire last last year's like pre-draft reports really the top five i thought was an entire number one option it was just ridiculous amount of talent loaded into one class this year it's a little bit different you get you get some hyper role players you get some guys who are specialized at an elite skill kind of thing more than being an elite all-around player. Chet Holmgren's got the best chance at it just because we haven't ever seen, I mean, just a simple background of how rare his ability is. No, the big list of bigs, I did the search for this, the list of big men, seven foot or taller, to average two assists and two blocks a game, which he did both at Gonzaga last year. And there's no reason with to think with, a, you know, Drew Timmy took a ton of his touches. Andrew Demhard took a ton of his touches. Two of the best passers at the, their position. He had to coexist with them, and he also was the main rim protector. No reason to think those won't translate. The list of big men to do that is ridiculously small, and it's all Hall of Famers for the most part. I think the worst one on there was like Vladi Divac. So when you're in that list and that's the worst player, your chances at stardom are pretty high. He's probably the best chance, but ultimately this is a draft where you're looking at role players that function at a high level and it's not i don't want to say like role player you're not looking at like a herb class full of herb jones at the top which is a good player but you're getting chances at young talent that can grow from role players to you know being the best role players in the league if that makes sense right and so we uh we have a lot to dive into and so we got the top three down and i wanted to bring up number 12 and 30 real quick in this second segment before we talk about the combine in segment three my positioning on pick 12 has just been, look, we're going to have to just see how the draft board plays out. And I'm not in some big hurry to find the trade-up candidates, to find the ways to get up in this draft, uh, because we did a, your, your great community mock draft, which is always fun to participate in. And, and you get uh, representatives of every team in the, in the NBA that have knowledge about the NBA draft and what their team would look for and what the team would kind of do. 
in the uh, in the draft. And in these mock drafts that we're doing, a lot of talented players always fall to 12. Our last one that we did on mavsdraft.com at 12, I got Benedict Matherin. Jabari Smith and Benedict Matherin without moving up at all and losing any additional assets is a heck of a draft you know, haul. How do you view the idea of trading up from 12? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like you said, there's going to be somebody that falls. Like for my board, I have, I think, three or four guys that I don't even have in my top 15 that I project to go in the lottery. I mean, not to completely just crap on myself here, but Mark Williams, Jeremy Sohan, and Dyson Daniels. I, I mean, Dyson's moving up, but I think those three will be gone by where they're drafted at. And Dyson Daniels is 14th on my board. And I think he's well gone by 14. I think he's gone in the top 10. So that moves somebody like if all three of those guys are gone by 12, which is very possible, you're looking at some incredible value. And my board isn't too far off from the consensus. I think, I think staying at 12, you really don't need to move up unless you're in love with one of those guys. That's the big risers. I, I would say really Sohan or Dyson Daniels, which with this roster, do they need those guys? Like, I don't think it's worth moving back for or moving up. I mean, Right. I, I just don't really see a pathway to moving up in the sense of uh, just doing it for the sake of doing it. Now, if, if Sam Presti absolutely loves somebody, uh, the Thunder do have the assets to go up and get it to ensure that they get their guy. Uh, but if if Sam Presti and, and the rest of the NBA views it the way that we think that they do and what we've heard other teams view it as and what we view it as of, of how razor thin the separation is between these guys, uh, there's not really a point to get additional assets uh, to go up and get it. Now, how do you view the draft in the sense of the Thunder have you know, four draft picks and they could bring in four players like their roster is not so you know, chocked full of talent that they couldn't make four roster spots. But how do you view the value of drafting four players at 2, 12, 30 and 34? Do you think that that's an option that the Thunder should do? No, I, I think they I'm just not a fan of teams taking four picks, consolidate them, move uh what was the third one? I know 30 is, is the song. 30 and 34. Place. Yeah. I mean, I just, why, why, why have all those picks? I mean, 30 and 34 could probably get you. If I was the Mavs, I'd be in that in a heartbeat. I mean, just consolidate those two. 26 is better than 30 and 34. Yeah. You get some contract stuff. Look, Dallas probably needs two picks a lot more than Oklahoma city does. One quality player is better than two meh players. And, and then if you're Dallas, you you uh, in that case you do move back, but you do get two players, like you said, and the you get a priority second round player that doesn't have to be on a first round rookie scale contract. You can kind of uh, maneuver those contracts around however you like if you're Dallas to kind of fit better with your salary cap. Uh, and the Mavericks are known to give out some nice second round contracts. I mean, they gave Isaiah Roby the most expensive second round contract ever at the time that he signed it. So uh, that's one option now. Before we get into the combine after the break, I want to talk right now about Caleb Houston. What's happening here? There's there's a John Hollinger report that the Thunder have promised him at pick 30. And I feel like the Thunder, I feel like if anybody pulls out of the combine ever, the Thunder is just the automatic team that's promised him. Like it happened with Matisse Thibel. It happens with everything. Sometimes they're right. Josh Houston, that was right. But it's happened with Matisse Thibel. It's happened with a lot of other players where, for whatever reason, either they got picked before the Thunder. Or, or just didn't come to fruition, that they had these promises out there that just didn't happen. You know, if it's true, how would you grade a Caleb Houston pick at 30? Yeah, not well. It would not go over well for me. 
Uh, you look at a guy who kind of shoots as good size. He has good enough form, um, but didn't really shoot well at Michigan in a role I thought was pretty good for him. And the only other offensive really overall value I feel like he brings is pick and roll passing. Um, I posted a scouting report of his and yeah, it's cool that like he was old Vince Carter is what it was like to me, Dallas Vince Carter, who is a good player, but he has to be great at shooting to be able to have that translate because he does nothing else on the court. He doesn't play defense. Like his hips are incredibly stiff, probably a negative in that regard. Can't really shoot off the dribble. Doesn't create. I wouldn't take him at 30. I would, I would think that's a huge reach personally. Yeah. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, I know he put out of the combine stuff and, and that oftentimes means he has a promise. And I know the thunder are just always a team that gets thrown into the whole uh, promise rank, but I mean, I have Caleb Houston 41 on my board, and I just don't see it. I just don't understand why you'd make that promise. And again, when you have pick 34, which he's he's probably not going to be gone by pick 34, why wouldn't you promise him pick 34, which is kind of a first-round pick, and you then get the flexibility of signing him to a different form of contract, a different form of payment that fits better with what you want to do uh, with your salary cap. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. Of course, John Hollinger – uh, knows what he's talking about but it just it catches the ear funny and it and it doesn't pass the say it out loud test that i always like to go through it, it, whenever you lay out everything that we know about the situation does it still make sense and to me that's a no but maybe sam presti can uh, surprise us and i feel like richard that that's kind of why the thunder get put into these smoke screens because if you're an agent or somebody that wants to leak information to get information out there about a player about a prospect it's so easy to stretch the truth about the thunder because you can just fall back on, Oh, Sam Presti's a wild man. He might trade back from the two because he just loves picks. Oh, he might take this guy because his board's never consensus. And he just loves, you know, trying these project prospects. And we, we've seen him take big swings before. I think that that's kind of why the thunder get thrown into a lot of these rumors. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the same reason the Kings are always thrown in on, Hey, who can we screw over in these fake trades? You know, it's always the Kings. Like there's it's Kings and magic. Those are the two teams that are like, Oh, well they've done it before. They'll do it again. Ha <laughs> ha. And it's like, okay, but that's not evidence. So I I'd be shocked. Like, yeah, he does go against the grain whenever he wants, but also he's logical about it. Like he's smart when he goes against the grain, just with all due respect, Caleb Houston is not the smart way to go against the green. I mean, that's just not to me. You can get better value. I think you can get better shooters at the spot and you can get guys that are built similar, similarly with similar pick and roll production. I, I just, if I was going for that, I'd take Hugo Basson 10 times out of 10 over Caleb Houston, for example. We'll see what the Thunder end up doing, but I want to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds and news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Go right now to their website or even check your mobile device and learn more about the trends and actions this year at BetOnline where the game starts. And folks, it's this easy. You type in BetOnline at the top. You go down to sports, and then you load up their sports book, and you'll hit basketball. NBA, the Mavericks seven-point underdogs on the road on Thursday. Richard, are they going to extend this series, or is it going to be over? You're, you're really going to make me eat my words for when I'm wrong. Um, they're definitely done. It, it was nice not to get swept. That's, that's just how I see it. 
<sighs> I'm hoping that they can uh, they can make a run, but it's going to be tough to uh, win on the road for Luca and the Mavs. But check it out. If you think that the Mavericks can pull it off, check out Bet Online uh, and type in uh, uh, the Mavs series and get yourself some action on that game. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. Thank you for being Lockdown Thunder, your first listen. Every single morning, every single day, we're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, check out Lockdown NBA from the first jump ball, the playing tournament, to the last possession of the NBA Finals. Lockdown experts take you deeper in the playoffs than ever before. So check out today, Locked on NBA, and we're joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, MavsDraft.com, and host of Locked on NBA Big Board. Richard, the combine has come and gone, and we've seen some bad things, like the Patrick Baldwin vertical that compares to Dakari Johnson, and some good things, which it appears that, like you said, Dyson Daniels is just rising up. Who do you think was the biggest winner of the combine? Yeah, I think it's actually Jalen Williams from – Santa Clara there's two Jalen Williams so I had to think for a second um they spell him differently but Jalen Williams from Santa Clara he really showed out he had been a guy who people had pegged as a riser before the combine I uh, had a really productive season in the west coast conference really put an end to the whole like oh Chet's playing against milkmen whatever like the conference is really good and Jalen Williams was a part of the reason why they didn't make the tournament but got to showcase his game measured really well super athletic measured at 6'6 with a 7'2 wingspan, which is just ridiculous considering he's 6'4 without shoes. So that's, all, that's almost a plus 10 wingspan, uh, almost a 9-foot, barely missed a 9-foot standing reach. Like The versatility for him is very strong now. And to me, I, I think he's the clear winner. And he also, I, I don't remember if he played, but I mean, just the athletic testing and the wingspan and all that really did a lot for him. Who do you think lost the most to their draft stock uh, on, at the combine? Patrick Baldwin. Uh, not even a, not even a question. Uh, when you look at a guy who he needed after a horrible last twelve months, he was bad at the FIBAs for the most part outside of like two games. He didn't shoot the ball well. He was thirty two percent from three. Didn't shoot the ball well at Milwaukee. Um, you look at that, and you needed to shoot well in your in your drills. Didn't shoot that well didn't perform athletically at all, measured well, had good long wingspan. That was the only positive for him. So I worry about him. Is there anyone who you think that their decision got a lot easier either to stay or to go back to school via the combine? Like is Patrick Baldwin Jr. just going to stay even though he had bad, bad results? Or is there anyone who kind of still on that fence for you? 
Yeah, I, I actually – I feel like there's going to be some surprises. I think Baldwin almost has to stay because can it get worse? I, I, I honestly don't know, and, and I don't know if it can get better. So I think he's – I think he stays in. A couple guys kind of stood out that just didn't make as much noise as I anticipated. Jabari Walker from Colorado thought he might make a little bit bigger of a splash. Uh, John Butler, not sure what to make of him. He's an interesting one, seven, one big man with a 7-2 wingspan. Um, there's some interesting names in here, but I, I just, I really don't know who goes back. I think the biggest one for me would be Max Christie or something, but I, I think he's staying in. I, I'm pretty sure I, I'd read something that he's staying in, but don't quote me on that. And then, uh, the last time we recorded, we were, we both had recorded this combine scrimmages and then hadn't watched them quite yet, but uh, it seems like the winner from the scrimmages was Christian Braun, who uh, conveniently enough, you and I have talked about him off the air, but uh, has he done anything to change your perception on him? Uh, Christian Braun via these scrimmages? How, like, I just, I'm, I'm happy for him. He did in the scrimmages, but like how much does that really impact anything? Yeah. Uh, just some little Intel I've received on him about his combine. Yes. He played well in the scrimmages, but in the pro day and stuff with his agency, he did not do well at all. Like he wasn't shooting the ball. I still, wor- I have a lot of worries about him. I don't think he can drive. I don't think he can dribble straight line drive left. I don't think it's possible for him. He doesn't pull up in a traditional sense. The only way he can pull up is if he has a ton of open room and gets his man to fly by, which is like, he can't, I don't know. He can't just pull up, stop on a dime and shoot over to a fender. That freaks me out. And also the low release, excuse me, the low dip getting into the release. It's a long shot. It's a blockable shot. I'm still scared on Brown. I, I hope he's gone by the time Dallas picks. Richard, you're so kind to join us every single week. And I think that this will be a fun way to end from now on leading into the draft um, to kind of get an, a, an idea of the ebbs and flows of the draft process. But as of right now, your biggest draft day surprise is what? I mean, I, th- I think Dyson Daniels might be top six pick, but at that point, it's not really a surprise. It's become mainstream. So I would say somebody's going to fall into the second round that we don't see it coming at all. In my opinion, I, I have a bold one, and it might sound really stupid, so I'll just say it anyways. I'm going to take your test, see how stupid this sounds when it comes out, but Tari Eason, I, I've just heard bad things about his workout process. like Not like a, the regimen he's going through, but just he had two workouts I've heard of where he was terrible, and that alarms me. Those are mid-first-round teams that I know will pass on him, and I wonder how far that slide is going to go because he's really talented, All-American, uh, or I think was an All-American really close at the least, but I'm pretty sure he was a third-team All-American. But the team teams have a lot of basketball IQ worries about him, so I, I think he might slide. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's in the middle of the first round on my board, so if he's having bad uh, returns on his on his private workouts, then yeah, it's not a great sign for staying in that first round, especially whenever there's going to be some guys who just blow it away who are in the fringe of the, of the second round, and they kind of leap up a little bit for their team. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think that you've heard? If, if you've heard anybody about the private workouts that have just done the best to improve in these things that we just can't see? Yeah, the name I've heard thrown around, uh, Keon Ellis. That dude is rising. Uh, you look at a guy who he only played two years at D one. He transferred up from, I believe, a Florida D two school or something, community college, something like that. Went to Alabama. Super skinny, but does everything that you ask of him. He's a hard worker. He's very good at what he does. And he's a three and D wing. Like I said, really skinny needs to add weight to really hit that defensive upside. But every workout I've heard anything about from him 
he's been the, one of the best players. I mean, I've had players from the workouts telling me this. I've had agents telling me this. And I've had, you know, the trainers and stuff relaying this information to me. Just anybody that you could think of that hasn't in with them has told me only good things. And to me, that's really positive. I think he's a guy who, if Oklahoma City keeps their two 30s picks, it wouldn't surprise me if he's picked as or I mean, I think he might go as high as Dallas. I think at this point, you look at how the league should have learned from Desmond Bain. Maybe, maybe just four spots. Or maybe they, the Thunder even get him at the Desmond Bain spot at 30. I think he's a very realistic target in the 26 to 34 range now. And Keon Ellis has worked out with the Thunder. He was one of the first crop of guys that the Thunder worked out uh, for a private workout. And then this week, um, right, we're going to start seeing bigger names start to go to these teams and, and have these interviews and workouts, right? Yeah, this is this is about the time. Now that the combine is pretty much in the past, everything is done. We have a full week to recover. You're going to start seeing a lot of these bigger name prospects appear in private workouts. Uh, you know, that's every year you hear top five team has brought in X player for a private one-on-one workout or one-on-zero workout, whatever it is, interview, all that stuff. So this is when the big names start making a splash. And that's when really you see the top of the lottery start being a little bit more pieced together in terms of what we actually know. Well, by the time we talk, I'm sure there's going to be five more rumors that come out that we have to either debunk or believe in. So that'll be fun. But Richard, thanks for your time. Anything that you want to leave off with or plug or anything, uh, have at it. Yeah, I mean, hey, if I hope that I've impressed you enough. If this is your first time hearing me, uh, Locked On NBA Big Board is just it's nonstop hit after hit, in my opinion. We have some great minds on there between me. Uh, I'm not. I'm actually at the least of the minds, in my opinion. Like, but Leaf Leaf Tulin is a really good mind. Sam Ferris from Draft Dummies and Rafael Barlow. I can't say enough good things. He's the the full time host. That man is just gifted. He's, in my opinion, the best draft person in the world. And we are lucky to have him. I'm so lucky to work with him. He always brings out the best in us. And we have a lot of fun on the podcast, more importantly. So go ahead and listen to us there. And uh, we're on every single day. Go check them out. Locked on NBA Big Board. They're going to have mock drafts, player rankings, everything else. Uh, we're going to have our mock drafts for the for Locked on Thunder as well and big boards and everything. We got plenty of stuff on the Locked on Podcast Network for you to check out uh, revolving around the draft. Uh, uh, this week's prediction, Chet Holmgren number one. Still okay. sticking with it. We'll see if that changes next week. But Richard, thanks for joining us. And until uh, tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.